Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, today we're kicking off with a brand new series called Habakkuk, Beacon of Hope. And I'd like to invite you to study this book of Habakkuk over the next three weeks with me, to read through it and discover where this man found himself 600 years before Jesus walked on this planet. I'd like to start today off with this quote from Benjamin Franklin, who's, who wrote a letter to his wife after just, just escaping a terrible shipwreck almost happening to him. And this was what he had to say to his beautiful wife. He starts it off with, he says, Were I a Roman Catholic, perhaps I should on this occasion after narrowly escaping this, this ship, shipwreck, perhaps I should on this occasion vow to build a chapel to some saint. But as I am not, if I were to vow at all, I should, be a, I should build a lighthouse. Benjamin Franklin, July 1757. Now, Benjamin Franklin makes quite a big statement about a lighthouse, especially the humble lighthouse that we so many times overlook. But in this case, the lighthouse in his life became a beacon of hope, a place of security, a moment of guidance for him. I don't know how much you know about lighthouses. These days, not many people are interested in them. But I want to tell you some history on lighthouses. The first lighthouse ever built was called the Lighthouse of Alexandria, and it was built in Egypt by the Egyptians. Oh, sorry, it was built by the Greeks, and it stands in Egypt. And it was built in the 3rd century BC. This lighthouse stood about 100 to 150 meters tall, and is today recognized as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's also been attributed to one of the inventions, one of the eight inventions by the Greeks, that changed the modern world forever. So there you have it, the first lighthouse ever built by Greeks, third century BC, 300 years before the coming of Christ. Now, this might be the first one, but it's not the oldest lighthouse. The oldest lighthouse in the world today is called the Tower of Hercules. It was built by the Romans, second century AD. It stands 55 meters tall. It's situated in Spain. And wait for this, it's not just intact and standing. It has been operational all of this time. That means this lighthouse has been faithfully a beacon of hope to sailors out there in stormy waters for about 1,800 years. What a staggering feat by the Romans in terms of their building capacity. Now, the reason why I hammer on lighthouses is because lighthouses basically have one of two purposes. The first one is either it serves as, as a navigational aid for the sailor on the sea as a little guide of where I should be going, or it serves as a warning for some rough seas or some dangerous coastlines. And if you really know, and you've actually been on sea, maybe in stormy weather, you'll know that the one thing that you are constantly on the lookout in the middle of a storm is a lighthouse to either guide you on where to go or warn you on where not to go. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this prophet called Habakkuk. And we're beginning reading his book. And as I've mentioned, he's a minor prophet who lived 600 years before Jesus. But unlike all the other prophets, Habakkuk kind of was a strange prophet. 
You see, when we start reading his book, we don't see him accusing God's people of wrongdoing. In fact, he doesn't even speak to the people of God on God's behalf. No, Habakkuk finds himself in the middle of a raging storm where his nation, the nation of Israel, God's people at this moment is being threatened by probably the most terrible empire the world has known ever since then, till that moment, the Babylonian Empire, who would come and destroy everything he knew to be true, all of his hope. He's in the middle of a storm. Everything he knew, all of his dreams, um, all of his hopes were shattered. He didn't know where to go. And he is in a wrestling match looking for a lighthouse. He wants to know from God what's happening. I thought this is your people. I thought we were your plan. God, it looks like everything around me is falling apart. I don't know if my life even has any meaning what's going on. This is where Habakkuk finds himself and he is busy searching for a lighthouse in the middle of his storm. I wonder if you might be there today. I wonder if you can identify with Habakkuk. Maybe after COVID has happened, or maybe there has just been some really rough things that has been happening in your life. And storms have been hitting you from all sides. And you can say today, like Habakkuk is saying, God, where are you? I can't see or make any sense of this. Maybe you don't even know God. Maybe you're trying to make sense of life. And you're in the middle of a storm and you're on the lookout for a lighthouse. I'd like to invite you today to with me look at this one big question that Habakkuk is wrestling with. And basically for 2,600 years we've been wrestling with this and we're still asking that question today, so many of us. And it's can God be good when my life is not? Is there a good God in the middle of all of this suffering? How is it possible? So, Let's dive in and see how Habakkuk starts wrestling with God about this. Habakkuk 1 verses 2 to 3 reads as follows. Habakkuk says, How long, Lord, how long must I call for help? But God, you do not listen. Or I cry out to you, violence. But God, you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do I need to see this injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, God? Habakkuk is confused. He doesn't get it. That's exactly what these first two verses tells us. He says, God, can't you see? And you, do you know why he's so confused? It's because Habakkuk knows that God can intervene. He has seen it in the past. He has seen how God's righteous right hand, his mighty hand reaches in and he makes a way where there's no way. He knows the stories of how the Israelites were freed out of Egypt to become God's nation. He knows God has the power, but he's just not seeing God doing anything about it. And he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's asking questions. He's wrestling with God. And maybe just a quick word of warning. Today's sermon is not going to be a sitcom sermon. It's not going to be one of those, I'm going home and I feel all good about myself when I finish. And um, the reason why I'm saying it's not a sitcom sermon is because whenever you watch a sitcom, Friends, maybe Friends, The Brady Bunch, The Office, whatever tickles your fancy, whatever you like watching, 
Um, the reality is in every sitcom, it usually starts off with a group of friends and everybody is happy and then one of them has a little problem. And then within 30 minutes and ad breaks, the whole problem has been sorted out. Everybody is happy at the end of the episode. Well, today is not going to be like that. Today is not the sermon where I'm going to tell you, you like your job, you maybe have lost your job and we're going to end it with you get a better job and to, like put the cherry on top, you got your office right next to the boss's new uh, this is the boss's son, and you guys get married and you live happily ever after. That is not today's sermon. In fact, today's sermon might sound a little bit more like this. And um, this is exactly where Habakkuk is. This is exactly where he felt. He didn't live the sitcom life in this moment. It's more like you like your job, you lose your job, you don't get a better job, you end up bankrupt, and you feel like your whole life's a failure. Or you like your life. You get a bad medical report. You, found, you find out that you have cancer. You start praying. You battle through chemo. You come out stronger. You win on the other side only to hear the bad news that it's back. And you can do nothing about it. That is what's going to be the story of today. And to crown it all off is when you're in the middle of this moment, in the middle of this bad news, there is some well-meaning Christian many Many times, maybe some good theology and even a well-meaning heart, but really not helping in the moment that comes to you and you says, don't worry, man. I know you're going through a tough time, but I just want to tell you, God is in control. You just need to let go and let God. And how wonderful that may sound and how great the meaning of that guy's heart might be. The only problem with that statement is that life is not a Disney movie where you sing, let it go, let it go, and all your problems are away, sung away in one song. No, life is hard. Life has some real big challenges. And this is exactly where Habakkuk finds himself. And this might be the exact same space where you find yourself. Habakkuk is not shying away from this. In fact, he's going head on into it. And he talks to God. And um, the second point that I want to point, put, put to you guys is to see how Habakkuk is honest with God. How he points out his problems with God. He's not shying away from them. In verses 3 and 4 he says, Why do you make me look at injustice, God? Why do I need to see this injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed. Your law means nothing. It's paralyzed, God. And justice never prevails. He's accusing God. He's saying, why? Why can you do this? In fact, let me just put it like this. He's basically pointing out, he's saying, God, if you are compassionate, it really doesn't seem like you're caring at the moment. If you are all powerful, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything about the issues that I'm seeing right in front of me. Why aren't you reaching into this injustice? Why aren't you righting all the wrongs that I'm seeing before me? God, if you are just, how can you allow this? How can you allow this? Basically, he's saying, God, if I were you, I'd do things differently. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like that? Has it ever been something that you thought, God, can I give you a lesson on how I think life should work? Because I don't think you, you get the picture. You know, 
even in the middle of this moment, there is something that I really do appreciate about Habakkuk. And it's his brutal honesty that he has with God, but never compromising on his unconditional love for God. You know, the name Habakkuk, it's actually in his name. The name Habakkuk means to embrace and to wrestle. So this man, the picture of his life and that we get to have a glimpse into to see is someone that embraces God and while he is in a wrestling match with him, he embraces him. This is so unique to today's world. So many people don't see that. You know, on the one side of today's world, we have modern society and they love to be brutally honest with God. I mean, they love to say, God, how can you be good? Can't you see all the troubles in this world? I mean, I'm reading in the newspapers of a father um, just like sexually molesting and raping and doing bad things to his own twin children, twins, his own kids. God, how can you allow this? In this country, in South Africa, you cannot be good. It's impossible. And the brutal honesty in modern society leads people away from God. It gives them a reason to turn their backs on God, not to stay faithful to His unconditional love and not stay unconditionally faithful and loving towards Him. Not embracing Him. If you think about the word embrace, it means to actually open up your arms, to bring someone close, to trust them, to walk with them, to be with them very closely. It's exactly what Habakkuk does. Modern society says, I'll be brutally honest, but that gives me the reason to walk away. So that's the one side. The other side is religion, religious society, religious institutions. Says, you know what? You never question God's authority. You never question His way. He is God. You cannot have an open and an honest conversation. How dare you even say to God stuff like this? And you know what it forces people to do? Religion forces people to embrace a fake and a false relationship with God. God is just like this little facade kind of person out there far away. Now, the only problem with the two statements that I'm making and what, what, what um, Habakkuk is busy showing us is the Bible. Because the Bible invites us, and we see it in so many ways with so many characters. Um, a third of the Psalms we read, and they're written in the form of lament. Songs of praise or songs of lament where, where guys would come and they would say, God, look at my life. Look at all of this injustice, all of this pain. They share their open, honest with God about their hurting. Authors like the book of Job, the book of Lamentations, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Jeremiah, where they all express the pain, the real, the authentic, the openness with God. Jesus himself that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you hear that statement? It's not God, it's my God, my God. Embrace it. You're still mine. I'm not running away. But God, I'm wrestling with why. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I in the middle of this? And that one little sentence that Jesus utters out before he dies, he stays faithful. He embraces God in the middle of his wrestling. And that's exactly what Habakkuk invites us to do today. That's what he's inviting you and me to do today. I don't know where you are. Maybe you might be in the middle of a big storm and you're wrestling through some big questions. I know I've been talking to some people that has been asking some really big questions on this. 
And I want to encourage you to keep on wrestling with God through these storms. Because at a certain stage, something might happen, like happened with Habakkuk. And you might be surprised because finally there is this moment where God answers Habakkuk's questions. And you would be like, yes, finally, God hears me. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. I've been praying and I've been trusting and I've been asking and I've been faithful. And now suddenly, finally, God, you have an answer. But when I'm going to read it to you now, you're going to be blown away. I don't think it's going to be the answer that you would expect God to give to Habakkuk about the situation that Israel is in about the ruined state that it finds itself in. God says to Habakkuk in verse 6, chapter 1, He says, I am raising up. So God's saying He's going to raise up. And you know what probably Habakkuk would have wanted to hear and that so many of us wants to hear? We wanted to hear God saying, I'm raising up Israel. I'm raising up a mighty army. I'm raising up strong young men. And they will take back the nation of Israel. So many times in the middle of our storms, that's kind of the hope that we're looking for. However, it's not what God tells Habakkuk here. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, Habakkuk, I am raising up. I'm doing this. I'm raising up the Babylonians. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweeps across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. So he's acknowledging, I'm raising up a very unjust nation. They are a feared and dreaded people. And they all come intent on violence. Now, if you were Habakkuk, and if you've been with me this whole time, reading and discovering, you probably would have been saying, what? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense, God. What's going on here? I don't understand. What, what do you mean you're raising up one unjust nation to deal with other forms of injustice? How is this possible? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand what you're saying. Have you been there? Have you been praying and trusting God for an answer and then the next moment the answer comes and you have no idea? It doesn't make sense. You can make no clear logic out of what God says. Where do you go? Do you do what modern society does and you just walk away? Do you do what religion does and you kind of just fake it all the way through? Because that's what people around me would expect of me to do in religious circles. Or are you going to be real and authentic and dive into the invitation that God is giving you and me and start wrestling it out with Him within a relationship while you're embracing Him? Because that's the invitation today. The invitation today is to wrestle with God through your tough times. I've been there. I've been in this space. And I'd like to end off by just quickly sharing a part of my own life story with you. My personality and the kind of person that I am, if you know me a little bit, I grew up and I think I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. And by God's grace, he's been journeying with me on that specifically in my life. But for so long, I've been comparing myself to other people to make sure that I am valued and I feel that I am good enough. And even in the case of my calling, even right here where I'm standing as a leader, 
I've had to struggle and wrestle with God through the decisions that he made to make me the way I am. I just always felt like I'm not good enough for this. And I wish I could be someone else. I would look at the people around me that's working, my peers, the guys doing their things and doing their jobs. And then I would wish, I would literally pray and I would ask God, God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be who you made me. I want to be like them. I want to be like that guy. I want to do like that guy. I want to be in that space. And I wrestled with God. I was going through a very tough time. I was actually in a place where I was totally burned out as I was wrestling and just like working against what God wanted to do at that moment. Kind of like, like Habakkuk's. God, I, wanted, I don't want to go the way you say you want to do this. I don't like your plan of the Babylonians. And I was like, God, I don't like your plan of how you made me. And I kind of came to a climax. And I'll never forget it. Right here at Fichat Park's offices, the one, the one day after a meeting where I was just so down and out, I climbed into my car and I was screaming at God. And I said, God, why did you make me the way you made me? I don't want to be like this. I don't want to live like this. And little did I know, God would send exactly the opposite means. Send a leader across my path through which he would form something in me that I would never have expected and put me in a place where I could embrace the uniqueness that he made me to be. It wasn't an easy journey. It was a rough storm. It was probably one of the greatest storms of my life. And can I tell you, it was a storm that I could have chosen to wrestle without God. And there were moments that I wanted to do that that I wanted to walk away, that I didn't want to wrestle with him. I wanted to wrestle without him. However, Habakkuk invites you and me, and that's my invitation today, to wrestle with God, not without him. Yes, to wrestle with him and not against him. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you today to step into this invitation. And be open with the one hope for humanity, Jesus Christ. And trust him to shine a light in the middle of your storm. Let's pray. Father, as we're looking at the life of Habakkuk, where this man is wrestling with you about this one big question, whether you can still be good when life is not, I come and pray for people that might find themselves in that same space. And Father, today I want to pray that people will not look for a quick fix answer. A little quick plaster that I want to put over my pain and over this real reality. God, I want to pray that people would step into the light. Would embrace you and wrestle with you through the tough questions that they have in this life. Father, I come and pray, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that you would comfort people in the middle of the storm. And that as they're on the lookout, looking to the horizon to find light, that in the middle of their wrestling, they would find hope. Hope in your words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.